the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Oh, hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosher. Yeah, we're here. Welcome to the show. This show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. It is a nonprofit foundation aimed at educating and helping families and individuals with substance use disorder. We have a two-week... Does that enable them to start the substance use disorder? (laughs) Like if they're, let's say they're just like a normal family, that you guys can like get them into drugs (laughs) and stuff? (laughs) No. Educate them on it? Like, okay, this is how you do cocaine. No, it's not what we do. Oh, what do you do? Well, I mean, sometimes there's some prevention aspects, but, uh, or getting ahead of the problem before it spirals out of control. Like never do ecstasy and cocaine. It's not a good time. I'm not saying... That it's not a good time. I'm just saying. Uh, anyways, you're getting me off track here. <laughs> you're gonna I just get thought me about that when you're like, we days. educate families on what? <laughs> on a lot of things. Oh, okay. Because um, oftentimes the family member is even just as confused or frustrated uh, as the person with the addiction. Yeah. They don't understand why their family member can't stop. Or, they don't understand it's an actual illness. Yeah. And- and they yeah. don't understand what it takes to get well and what that timeline looks like. And they need mm-hmm. support and encouragement and healing as well. It's not just the individual. So if you or a loved one would like to see uh, what outpatient services we could offer for you. They could or, call Candy Pants, right? Can, can you please not call her that on air? Oh, Her sorry. Her name is Candace. Uh, you More can professionals. Can- Candace, sorry. <laughs> You, so she runs our outpatient clinic. You can call her at 346-980-3530. Uh, if you're interested in finding out information about our detox and the two years of recovery support that we also offer, you can call our 844-263-4673 number uh, or go to our website, mhdrp.org or matthewshope.org. Yeah, and if you call over there, just give Melly Mel, Nikki Boo, or Candy Pants a hello from us. I hate you. <laughs> Tell them we said hello. I hate you so much. Uh, so as usual, you're listening to us in Houston on Sundays at 1 p.m. Central on KPRC 950. If you're not in Houston and you want to listen to us live because you've got nothing better to do on a Sunday, which we do every now and then because it's, you know, like, hey, let's just see what's going on over there. Uh, you can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app. It's a free download. Just go whatever kind of phone you got, Android, iPhone, and you can pull up the iHeartRadio app and then you can look at the KPRC channel and you can listen to us live uh, at the end of the day they upload our podcast and it's on relevant recovery radio also on the iHeartRadio app and also on facebook or instagram you can also search at relevant recovery radio we're on there <laughs> and we have a new channel on tiktok that, that candace is doing uh just search at matthews hope iasis and you'll see some really cool uh success stories and testimonies about people getting any IASIS. conspiracy theories not yet or? we'll get to that later oh that's gonna be so super sweet <laughs> so we were we're driving in today and as usual because we are you know prior planning prevents poor performance kind of people we had zero show ideas today and we're like that's i don't not know what true. we talked about. about a few different things Driving in. You're just... Not before today. We haven't seen each other. Yeah. But what I was thinking about was like, uh, there's a couple things we want to talk about, but 
You know, we did two weeks on marriage. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of open up with some banter back and forth, just basically on kind of what you've been going through um, with your you're in a you're in a pretty stressful role and you've got a lot going on outside of just your normal home life and everything else. And yeah. like, how do you cope with it? Um, what do we do for each other? What do we do that works that doesn't work? You know, that little meme of that little puppy dog that's sitting in a house and like everything's on fire around him. <laughs> everything's just engulfed in red, hot, orange flames and black smoke. And the little puppy dog's just sitting there with his cup of coffee and he says, I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> that's how I'm handling everything right now. No. <laughs> no. No, because like yesterday, yesterday you were, you were leaving for work. And uh, I went to give you a kiss goodbye, and I'm kind of talking to you before you left, and and you just seemed, like, angry. And I'm like, what is going on? You're like, I'm just really stressed. I got a lot going on. And, I mean, selfishly, in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't. Why do I have to be a part of this? <laughs> you be kind to me. Right? Because that's what goes on in our little alcoholic minds. It's like, no, 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 but I'm not, I'm not a part of that equation. But I was kind and loving. And yeah. I told you I hope that you had a really good day yesterday. Yeah, so I appreciate it because even though, um, and like life is not bad by any means. So I don't even want it to come across as I'm complaining about anything because in my old life when Heather was spiritually sick, I could complain about my complaints and I yeah. just could always find something to gripe about and nothing. I was never happy. Um, and I'm very happy. I'm just saying I got a lot of balls in the air that I'm juggling and it's just a lot going on. So I'm just trying to navigate a whole bunch of different branches of things right now. So I'm just a little overwhelmed and stressed. But uh, you were super kind to me and realized that my shortness or stress has nothing to do with my lack of love for you or anything like yeah. that. Um, but it was extra nice when I got home from work yesterday because you had bought me uh, a bouquet of flowers and you had bought me my favorite healthy snacks. It, what what are those healthy snacks that you really enjoy? Um, Twinkies <laughs> and a couple packages of uh, Hawaiian sweet rolls <laughs> and edible chocolate chip cookie dough and uh, those little cupcakes with the sprinkles in them. Yeah. Will is laughing over here. Our producer laughing because, yeah, that's... That's, that's my favorite healthy snacks. Uh, and what you call them salad. <laughs> yeah, salad. Yeah, I I'm eat salad, salad in bed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's... And you wrote me a little note. Yeah. It was a sweet little note. And I even took a picture of the little thing you left on the... And you lit a candle. The kitchen was clean. The dishes were done. You lit a candle. The house smelled nice. It was just a very nice thing to come home to. And I appreciate you. And I know you're not on social media or anything, but I took a picture of it and posted it on my personal uh, Facebook page just to brag about you a little bit, you know, just a little bizzle. You know, that means the CIA is now looking into us. That's fine. I don't think they care that you bought me Twinkies. Well, it's where I got them. <laughs> See, I, but I asked you later, are you trying to kill me with the diabetes? No, I told you, I told you evil can't even kill you. You are unkillable. <laughs> Heroin didn't kill me. Yeah. Well, Twinkies probably won't. So, uh, yeah, so we, we cope, right? And sometimes we don't do it so well. Sometimes we're at each other's throats and sometimes we're... But I think what we're getting better and better at is leaning into each other. When yeah. when you're stressed and you lean out, I lean in. And it's vice versa when I'm stressed and leaning out. So, anyways, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio Howdy. with your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. I'm Heather. Yeah? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So, yeah. So, I don't know. We've come a long way, I think. And Oh, you know what? Hmm. What is this this month? Um, At the end of this month. Oh, it's our wedding anniversary. I hate you. <laughs> no. <laughs> the woman is supposed to remember the dates. That's like your, let's, you had one job. You had one job. Remember That's the dates. That's all I have to do is remember the date? No, no, no. You also got to do the finances and help me with the cleaning and <laughs> there's the other stuff. It's our wedding anniversary at the end of the month. Four years. Four years. And we Four were together. long <laughs> years. <laughs> Lord. And we were together about a year and a half before that. Before yeah, we got something married. like that. And um, so we're going on about five and a half years together. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think we've grown a lot. We went from times in our marriage when we couldn't have a conversation without trying to kill each other to we're getting to a true? place now. Because people might take you seriously and think we actually physically fought. But well, then they're stupid. <laughs> no, I'm just, I just wanted to clarify that uh, when you say almost kill each other, what you're saying is like we would be alpha and dominant and hyper argumentative and bickering yeah. and arguing. And yeah, it's, um, it, we'd make everybody uncomfortable around us when we do that. In fact, it was probably about a year ago, about a year ago when it got pretty bad and things started to change a little bit. Um, it was the last August. But I think what's happening is you're changing for the better, and it's really helping both of us out. Um, I've changed. <laughs> here's the real problem. Here's the real problem is that, you know, last year we did. We went through a period, uh, July, August, where we couldn't get through a conversation without arguing. Because you were really annoying back then. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my problem is that I, I'm actually, you haven't changed a lot. I have right. There's and, and what I'm and it's not like a pat me on the back thing. What what it means is that I I you has, were the problem back then. Yeah, <laughs> I still had some stuff that needed to be worked out. There was some yeah. things that like, God is still refining me and still doing stuff. And so, but I'll get my turn at crazy next. You know what I'm saying? Like you've just, been in it for about a month and a half. <laughs> you've been in it for about a month. I've I've told you several times. Like how cool is it that I'm the stable one? <laughs> I'm the one answering. Me. I'm your the one answering your text. Don't worry about it, baby. I'm not upset. I love you. I hope you feel better. You know what I mean? Like I'm on top of the world right now. But I think that that's kind of the point of our show with family ties. I think that what we're trying to convey is some different lessons about our how what we've learned about interacting with each other, not just you and I with each mm-hmm. other, but with our families and our parents and our children and and different things. And we're not experts by any means, but. I think that God's helped us make a lot of progress in some really profound ways. We have children? We do. We have three children. I forget about that sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes I want to be like, you know, it's easy for us to do this. We don't have any kids. I mean, ours are older and they're not in our home. Okay, so it's half true. So it's different. Yeah. Our children are 17 to 28. So it's a very different... 17, 20, and 28. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so when we look at that in context... Like, I remember when I got sober... And I was writing resentment inventory, and I was 34 years old. I just remember being very obsessed with how I perceived all the mistakes my parents had made with me. Mm. And I was very prone to uh, sharing my perception to other people that would listen about the mistakes I felt 
my parents had made with me or the wrongs they had done or the misinterpretation of who I was, all of these different things in my mind. and Just blame, blame, victim, victim. Yeah, I was a total victim in my mind. And and then when you get older and you, well, not necessarily even just because you're old, when you become spiritually fit, I should definitely say that instead. Um, you gain a new perspective. You gain a, a whole new perspective. And I realized that when I was a child and a teenager, all these things that I thought my parents were doing that were mistakes in parenting or raising me, my parents were just in their late 20s or early 30s themselves yeah. trying to navigate this adult thing. And not only that, but even though you grew up a strange little duckling, right? What? Little metal chick riding her motorbike with a snake around her neck. Like, even though you grew up a very- It sounds really weird when you say it, but yes. But it's true. Well, I had a motorcycle, had a snake, red-tailed boa. But even though your parents loved you so much mm-hmm. that you don't struggle to receive it today, meaning you don't need validation in any way from me. But I think that, that at the back of then, that was the source of my resentment a lot of times is because I had unrealistic expecta- expectations on my parents and I needed a certain validation or... From them or from, from others? Well, or from, from them or, all. yeah, from just anyone, uh, so that I felt right in the world because I didn't rely on God for that like I do right. today. And uh, and so now later on this other side of this spiritual walk and addiction and, and all of that, and we're older, you're way older than me, but point is, is I'm kind of old. And <laughs> I realize our parents are getting old and your mom has passed away. Yep, my biological mom passed away in January of 21. And so... Um, it's just one of those things where I realize how precious time is and how much I want to show up as the daughter that they deserve. Uh, and me they to do be. deserve because they spoiled you as a kid. And I, and I put them through a lot of crap. You tied your mom to a refrigerator and stole Why her are car. We talking about that right now. <laughs> and I didn't believe it when you said <laughs> it until we were visiting in Oklahoma and your friend Ann goes, Hey, remember that time we tied your mom to a refrigerator and stole her car? And I went, Oh my God, you did that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but let's put this in context. So Anna there's I, no context for that. Listen, my mom's little. She's like four eleven. She has paranoid schizophrenia, like the real deal. We're and, not just saying it. And she's Pentecostal, and she's <laughs> which easy, is even like easily manipulated. And so uh, Anne and I used to play jokes on her all the time and do mean things. And looking back, and I've made amends for all these things, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Um, but in in my teenage years, I thought things like that were funny. And so we would say, hey, mom, we're you gonna- still think stuff like that is funny. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, you can't even say it with a straight face. I wish you guys could see her right no, now. No, I, I think it's not funny. It's very sad. It's very sad. <laughs> You're still smiling. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. No. You're no, sadistic. Seriously. It's okay, though. I, I love know you. that I was a complete jerk when I did this, but we thought it was funny to like make up uh, names for her and or songs to sing to her or we'd say hey mom we're, we're recording a skit and so we take like the video camera out and we say we're gonna tie you to a fridge and this and that so here's what and so we'd make her a part of this you know game and then just leave her there i gave her a chair and we weren't gone that long at all and i'm not defending it i'm just saying like but I sidetracked you, so you totally but, sidetracked. But me. you were, you were spoiled as a kid. I, I and I was horrible to my parents. Looking but now back we're now, older, and it's like, how do we, how do we repay that? Like, yeah. how do we repay the wrongs we did, and how do we repay the good that we did? And we're in a place, you and I, where we're finally. I went through it with my mom. Like, 
So my mom is in hospice in January of 21, and me and my brother Scott are there, and we're staying with her the whole time. And it was a week, and it was a lot of reflection, a lot of looking back. And then after she passed in April, we took her ashes to uh, Florida Mm -hmm. to lay them at rest with her parents, which was amazing that we got to do that. And one of my aunts pulled me aside, and she's like, I need you to know some things. You know, I, I need you to know about your mom, things you may not have known. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, number one, like when they would come visit Houston, there was three or four members of the family throughout Houston, but they would always stay with us because my mom was so kind and funny and didn't judge them, just loved them. Mm-hmm. Um, when my mom was a kid, you know, her mom was a drunk. Yeah. And her mom would be out on the porch drinking with friends. And my mom had this issue in her leg. And she would literally crawl out crying, like, please give me my shot, give me my shot. And her mom wouldn't do it. Mm. And so I started to see the humanity and I started to see the fact that my mom was just doing the best she could. Mm -hmm. She grew up with these issues that she learned as a child and and it just stuck. Yeah. Um, And And that's a lot of times when we feel wronged, you know, by our own parents, we don't realize the childhoods that they had themselves mm -hmm. and and the lack of uh, tools you know, that they weren't given to navigate life. And we just always forget, and it's about everybody and everything. Like, we forget the grace we've been given Mm -hmm. for the horrible things we've done, but then we forget that they are probably just doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. And even when we think about that, it's it's still hard at times to give them grace. Mm -hmm. So uh, don't go anywhere. We will be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your host, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Hey, what's that Matthews Hope info? You want to throw that out? I sure do. This show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a detox and a two-year recovery program. If you or a loved one would like any information about that, please go to our website, mhdrp.org, herbert.org, or give us a call, 844-263-4673. Press 1 for the detox, press 2 for the outpatient. And like, if you have a loved one that doesn't want to go to detox, what I find it best is to lure them in the car with candy <laughs> and be like, hey, we're going to the drug dispenser, we're going to get you some drugs, and you just drop them off at Matthew's Hope. Does that work? <laughs> that does not work. We're a voluntary program. The person has to want help. Oh, all right. You haven't went to rehab a lot, have you? No, I haven't been to rehab since I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. When I did a year. <clears throat> Anyways, um, so I'm a little bit nervous. Because uh, we bring all this up to say that dealing with our relationships with our parents have been very prevalent in our lives recently. Yeah. Um, because your uh, stepmom. Which I, I mean, truthfully, she came into my life when I was around 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And she was the... And so she married your dad. And my, mom, they... my biological mom was a, a pill head. My biological mom had a drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she checked out most of my life. Right. From the age of probably nine or 10, she On. started with, she was part of the whole Oxycontin yeah. deal. And uh, she just never recovered. And there was times in 
her life when she was actually on what's the one that's even worse than suboxone the methadone she was on methadone because the oxycontin had gotten so bad so like she was Same a difference. very addicted uh person until the day she died yeah. right and so my stepmom jill was really more like my mom i mean she was the one that was encouraging and loving and there and funny and just kind of really took on that role. And and about that marriage, too, one really weird thing, uh, the irony, is that my birthday is your dad and Jill's wedding anniversary. Yep. And your birthday, February 6th, is my parents' wedding anniversary. That's really weird. That is so weird. There's actually a lot of things that are weird about our relationship, <laughs> besides just the fact that we have a relationship. <laughs> like, there's some weird... And so, so basically, I don't use the word stepmom as any sort of, like, lower level. She was very much no, a mother to you. she was my mom. I, I call her my mom. I have for years. And so, recent... And your dad's very much in love with her. They're still married, and, and They've been so, married 35 years. And her health has rapidly declined in the yeah. last few years with... What is it? So I was up there in March of 2020, literally right before everything shut down. I mean, literally, we were driving from Chicago back to Houston that after that first week of March. And I don't know if you remember, we are like literally... March 13th is when everything's shut down Stopping here. at little country Walmarts. Trying, that was when there was the toilet paper shortage, which oh, is yeah, still yeah. the weirdest shortage ever. Um, there was the toilet paper shortage. So we're buying toilet paper. We're buying... Uh, Clorox and clean. Remember that? And, all the, mm -hmm. and so we're doing this on the way back as we drive back as the country is shutting down. And then I remember that Monday was March 13th when we were told, don't come back to work. You're out. So that was the last time I saw my parents. My brother and I, my youngest, was it me and Scott or me and Eric? I think it was, it was you and Scott. I think it was Scott and I. We were up there to help my dad demolish his basement because he's getting ready to sell the house <clears throat> and what i noticed when we were up there sorry <laughs> i had some really good breakfast this morning. <laughs> what i noticed when we were up there is that mom would be like hey so how are you yeah i mean like we're really good here's what's going on in our lives and you'd like a minute went past you go hey so how are you mm. we're we're good we're going a few minutes later Hey, so how? And it's like, okay, something's wrong. And your dad had been telling you. Well, they thought, so mom has always enjoyed a scotch when she gets home. Mm -hmm. Or three. Yeah. But it's never been like a problem. But they started, my sister and her, or my sister and my dad started to think that this might be a problem. My sister lives in Chicago. I have, I'm 51 and I have a 30-year-old sister. Mm -hmm. So... She lives up there, and they start thinking, well, maybe it's the scotch. So they start getting under about the drinking and stop the drinking, but it just starts to get worse and worse. Mm -hmm. um, and so she was diagnosed probably in 2020, late 21, early 22. Is it dementia or Alzheimer's? Alzheimer's, okay. but like really fast. Uh, in three years, she's deteriorated to where uh, March of this year, my dad had to put her in a... Assisted living place. Yeah, they call it memory care. Yeah. So it's like a you know, free repetitive. room. It is like assisted living, but it's really about memory. Very repetitive, very, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, the last time... I saw my dad was in March of 2020, mm -hmm. and I'm flying to Chicago tomorrow. Yeah, to see your dad. Now, a little history on why I'm nervous. <laughs> so I got sober in 2013, mm -hmm. and the first time I went to visit him was in 2015 for Thanksgiving. You were two years sober. And I was horrible. Yeah, arrogant. 
opinionated. Um, I had dominant. started like losing all. Is there any, any more that you want? There's a to lot do? more, but I'll stop right there. There was uh, I had started. I, not only was I sober two years, but I had begun my weight loss journey. Mm-hmm. I was eating differently. Like all this stuff was going. This is on. when you were like a uh, self-righteous vegetarian. Oh Lord, <laughs> it was. I mean, I get like douche chills when I think about it now. Looking back. So you went up there, and nobody had a good time. No, I couldn't wait to leave. He couldn't wait for me to leave. It was just really like gross what yeah. I was doing. I was just opinionated, and ugh. Here's what you need to change. Here's oh, what would fix your life. Lord, yeah. I'm so I. So, anyways, I didn't go back up there for like two years. Yeah. So in 2017, I rode my motorcycle from Houston to Chicago, and that was an amazing trip from the motorcycle ride to visiting with him. And you were different. Well, I remember when I was going to go up there, I'm telling I was really nervous. I'm going to tell my sponsor, I'm just going to be humble and I'm going to be helpful. And I remember <laughs> this, is my well, sponsor, this is what, premise this, you're telling your sponsor that you're not going to be a jerk this time. You're just going to go up there and be humble. And what did your sponsor tell you? <laughs> um, after a expletive, deleted expletive, uh, it was, uh, you couldn't fake humble. So yeah. just go be helpful. And so your goal was to try to just be helpful. Just be helpful. Just go up and be helpful. And, and, and I think I pulled it off and my dad and I had probably one of the best visits I've ever had. You got with to him. learn about his childhood and his background and some interesting things about him that you yeah. have never known. That really, again, showed me that my dad has always just been doing the best that he could. He's just using the tools he was given as a kid. Yeah. You know, and, and how did that, one of our great like discussions happen because I was being helpful. So they'd had a storm come through mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of tree limbs and all that went in the yard. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to go pick them up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm out picking up stuff from the yard, and he's just chilling on the patio. And when I'm done, I go up there and sit with him, and we just start talking. And I learn more about my dad and his childhood than I've known my whole, my whole life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so it's like one of those deals where going into this, and then the, here's the other cool thing. The, that So I was actually going to be there this week. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be this is Zaring Sunday. I was going to be there last week, but you changed your flight. I had to because of work and some things going on. I needed to move it forward by a week, and I did. And I'm texting with my youngest brother Eric, and I'm like, "Yeah." So he goes, "Hey, we're going to go to Chicago." I was like, "Hey, me too." And I send him my flight stuff, and it turns out we're literally flying in, flying out at almost the exact same time. It's so crazy. You're going to be up there this time with your youngest brother going to be up there with my youngest brother and his wife. And um, and I think it's important because, you know, your dad doesn't have his lifetime partner physically there at home with him anymore. Right. And we can't even fathom the sense of loss or loneliness or whatever he's going I mean, going I look through. at what I went through over my dog. I cannot imagine what you're going through with your your life mate, your partner, your soulmate. Not remembering soulmate who you are. Of 35 years. It's a very traumatic thing. Listen, I... They were and are an amazing couple. Yeah. Like, there was never a question of their love for each other. They showed me so much about love. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so Eric and I will be up there. Uh, we'll be up there. And I just don't want to screw it up. Yeah. I really, and so I'll explain what I mean by that probably when we come back from the break because I don't want to get started on it, but... You don't want to screw up this visit? Right, because I always have, I have a propensity for that. What? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but, but awareness I, is half the battle. I'm like a bull in a china <laughs> shop. Like 
I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm like an opinion machine that just turns on automatically when I wake up. I in get the morning. it, man. I've tried to do the same thing on when we go up there and visit my family instead of telling my mom what she needs to change or what my dad needs to do or how my sister could fix her life or this, you know. What if I was just helpful and nice? Right. What if I was just easy to get along with and, and lacked opinions and was I've just I've been kind? asking that for a long time. <laughs> Will, what if she was just easy to get along with? What would my life be like? Um, but I've made great strides. Yeah, I, like you, you said, I know you're making the joke about my Well, No, listen, one of the first time times I ever heard you on the phone with your mom, I had like bug eyes looking at you like, Are you, what is wrong with you? And today you're not that way at all. You're and sweet so and kind so of And so it's so interesting because that whole first year or two of my sobriety was really God changing me on how I interacted with them and how I saw them, my perception and the tools. And uh, I used to always be short and frustrated and mean. Yep. And now I try to speak to her with tolerance, kindness, patience. And you do a really good job at it. You, you cut loose every now and then, but anybody's patience can be tested. So don't go <laughs> anywhere. We're going to be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I know you do. Thanks so much. That's why I do it, and I stare at you when I do it creepily. Um, so, yeah, so I, the reason I'm nervous about this week is a couple of reasons. You don't want to screw it up. One of the things that I learned from my dad when I was there with him is that he has some religious hurt mm-hmm. from being a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandma, she died when she was 94. This was a tough... Your dad's mom? Yeah, tough woman. Mm-hmm. So I'll try and give the highest level quick summary I can. I know it's probably too late. (laughs) So my dad, when my dad was 10, his dad died at 50 of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. My dad is one of the only surviving males past 50 in his entire family. They all die around 50 of a heart attack, including his brothers. Um, So his dad died when he was 10. My grandma had to learn how to drive, pay the bills, do everything everything. Mm -hmm. They lived on a little farm. They literally went ground to mouth with vegetables and what they raised Mm -hmm. uh, animal wise. And so they lived like the real Iowa farm life. Mm -hmm. And so what would happen is that my grandma, oh, I'm telling you, I remember when my mom and dad were visiting one time, I was probably in my twenties. So grandma would have been in her seventies or eighties. So maybe, anyways, my mom goes to pay for pizza and my grandma shoves her out of the way. She's not going to let her pay for her pizza. Like it's just a tough old broad. Anyways, she was raised Pentecostal mm-hmm. or as we say, Pentecostal. We don't say that. You do. Oh, so she was raised Pentecostal. She raised her kids Pentecostal. And so there is a couple of things of my dad that he saw that really bothered him. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that they would have pastors that I guess would travel through town and they would stop by their house. Well, my, my dad's family is already struggling to have enough food. There was 10 of them, Mm -hmm. like 10 siblings, 10 being supported by the family farm, by, by grandma, by one lady Mm -hmm. in the family farm. And these pastors would come through and just eat all their food. 
Yeah. Right. So then the kids would go hungry, but the mom wanted to give food to the pastors. She was giving it away, didn't care. Yeah. Right. Now, in the end, you and I would look back and go, well, they were taken care of. None of them ever starved, so I guess it worked out. Yeah, but, but in your dad's childhood mind, he got resentful that they yes, were taking from him and making eyes. him go hungry. His <laughs> older brother, Leroy, who has passed, guess what? Died of a heart attack in his 50s. Um, was on a table... His appendix had burst. Table, like in a kitchen table like a or a ki- hospital like a table? Ki- like a kitchen table. His okay. appendix had burst. And my dad's older sister, who you got to, you gotta, I got to give you a picture of the older sister. Dirt, racetrack, car driving, cigarette hanging out of the mouth. We're talking <laughs> country broad, girl. Yeah, yeah. She races home. Grandma has Leroy out on the table. The pastors are laying hands on him, trying to heal him. Praying the appendicitis away. Right, while okay. he dies. And so she comes home, picks him up, rushes him to the hospital, and they save his life. So my dad has these things that have happened that basically turn him away from religion. Because in your dad's perception, uh, these extremely religious people not only were starving him and his siblings, but at times, like when someone was going to die from a medical condition, they were refusing to take him for treatment. Correct. And so he formed a belief and opinion around it. Around the, yeah. But you didn't know that until a few years ago when you're having this porch conversation with your dad about Correct. his childhood. So you never knew. And I never knew because I never showed up in a way that was conducive to an organic relationship, an organic discussion. And I think that that's kind of the whole point of the show. I know our experiences are anecdotal, but what I'm saying is, is look at your own life, everyone that's listening. Like, in what ways do you need to show up better Mm -hmm. for the people that God's entrusted into your life for the limited time you have left? Life is fleeting. Life is short. And I realize now that we're in our 40s and 50s, and we're finally getting a grasp on gratitude of other people that I want to, like you said, you're nervous. You don't want to screw up this trip. Well, and so, but here's the thing though, this is what I want to talk about really is that, so I've had this, this 10 year change, right? Sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. I'm not the guy that I was 10 years ago. And my dad has seen that with his own eyes each time that I visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've kept in, we, I don't get to see him a lot during COVID. He unfortunately fell for a lot of the madness and I wasn't allowed to go up there because I hadn't had the jab and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I, it's been three years, but we chat a lot. And here's the cool thing. So he sends me a picture one day, this is two or three weeks ago. He sends me a picture of mom sort of dozing off while she sat there in memory care. And he says, I'm just here visiting mom. She's dozing off. And then a few minutes later, he texts me and goes, we're listening to Joel Osteen, and he sounds just like you. <laughs> Give everything to God. God will take care of you. But yeah. he did. it wasn't, I read it in a positive way. Yeah, he wasn't being like sarcastic or no. cynical. He was actually just saying, hey, man, this guy sounds a lot like you with this positivity and trusting God stuff. And like almost as if for the first time in his life, his relationship with you is making him open-minded to what godliness really looks like or and the, is. And the, here's the way I see it. It's not like I'm just got to gotta win another one for Christ. Gotta. <laughs> it's not the way I'm looking at it. Here's the way I'm looking at it. The things that I have accomplished in my life in the last 10 years, I'm going to rephrase it and it'll explain everything. The things that God has accomplished. Mm-hmm. I am able to take all my burdens to God. God works through me. 
anything that I have overcome, anything that has gotten better, any good that I do, it all comes from God. And I believe that 1000% without a question. Because left to my own devices, I'm still a buffoon capable of flinging poo any moment. I agree with you. And I just think our hearts break at the idea of someone who doesn't have that foundation. And I know that with what he's going through, losing my mom, her going into, and him knowing the inevitable, knowing what's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Because usually when somebody goes into memory care, it's a pretty rapid decline at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he watched her go through that with her mother, who Mm -hmm. went through the same thing. So I, I think there is that hereditary. So do you think that I don't I know we're not talking talking about Alzheimer's, but do you think that uh, there's a correlation between even just uh, frequent alcoholic drinks and Alzheimer's, not necessarily alcoholism? I'm saying I have read about it. So I have read about it because I'm curious and they, there is a hereditary marker. Yeah. But there is also an alcohol garbage on the brain marker. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they really know, but I think they have some ideas. Yeah. Um, and so here's the dilemma. <clears throat> How do I go up there and just be an attraction and helpful? No. Because what I want to do is go, Dad, mm-hmm. here it is. God will solve all your problems. <laughs> He'll make you whole. He'll validate you. He's going to, you know what I mean? But I can't. No, you can't. Right. You'll ruin because, it. It'll be ruined. Um, as Brother John says, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. You're not going to convince him. You can only show him by being an example and i think it's wonderful that your brother your youngest brother will be there with you to keep you on track <laughs> i think so yeah because he's probably the he's he's the most laid-back person like he's so he's laid so back chill. you got to check his pulse <laughs> he's so chill he'll yeah. keep you he'll keep you balanced <laughs> so yeah so that's that's my dilemma right and it's not really a dilemma no, right you I've, get to you have this opportunity oh yeah, oh, yeah. i like i can't wait i literally i'm chomping at the bit to get up there and be of service and be helpful to I'm him ready for and, you to leave too that's that's not, what oh, it's not, it's not what I meant. Never oh. mind. <laughs> but just to, I'm not looking to recreate the last visit. I'm not. No. I'm not delusional. But I just want to go and be helpful again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not looking for anything I get to do over the next week. I really just want to go up there and do for him. Because not to sound morbid, but sometimes since our parents are older, uh, sometimes I think, what if this is the last time I have them? You know, what if this trip or this? Why are time, you always smiling when you think that? I'm not. <laughs> sometimes I think, you know, what if? You know, this is the last time I get to talk to him and hear their voice in person. And it helps me keep my priorities in check with the gratitude of the time rather than trying to fix everything. And I think we always complicate family. Yeah. Because the bottom line is, if I were to treat my dad and if you treat your parents the same way that we treat people in the 12-step fellowship, all would be well. Use the same principles. It's harder, though, because when it's family... And you're closer to it. It's harder to get a real idea of a perception, and, and it's harder to practice those principles when you love somebody. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the connection's too close. Well, anyways, I think you're going to have a wonderful trip. I'm excited, and we'll hear yeah. all about it when you get back. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Yep, and I know you guys are going to miss me next week, but I'll be back. <laughs> Hashtag God, though. Hey.